the Fibber McGee and Molly Show. Every weekday at this time, NBC brings you Fibber McGee and Molly transcribed. The show is written by Phil Leslie and Ralph Goodman and directed by Max Hutto. We'll join Fibber and Molly in just a moment. Here's a question that may save you hundreds of dollars if you know the answer. And as a matter of fact, it might even save your life. A question. What is the top speed you can safely drive after dark if you have to rely on your own headlights to show up danger? The answer, according to the National Safety Council, is 45 miles per hour. If you exceed 45 miles per hour, you're driving beyond the visibility limit of your headlights. You might also attach your traffic knowledge with this one. At 40 miles an hour, how close did you follow the car ahead? The answer? At 40 miles an hour, you should keep at least 125 feet, that's about 8 car lengths, to the rear of the car ahead. And even then, you're asking for a rear-end collision unless you keep constantly alert. So heed your safety counsel's advice. Following too closely is a major cause of traffic accidents. And remember, the main secret of safe driving is simply to use common sense. Automobile accidents don't just happen. Drivers make them happen through carelessness. There's a big jewel robbery in Whistle Vista night before last. And the burglar dropped an overcoat button at the scene. By a horrible coincidence, Mr. McGee walked in his sleep that same night, and somewhere along the line, he lost the button off his overcoat. For further details, listen to a worried sleepwalker on the phone to his doctor. It ain't only that button the cops have got that's got me upset, Doc. It's this dad rotted key I found in my pocket. I thought I told you to throw that key away and forget it. How can I forget it? It said right in the paper that along with old man McDonald's wife's jewelry, the burglar took a safe deposit box key. You read it. Of course I read it. Now, that doesn't prove This key don't fit anything in this house, Doc. Oh. It ain't my key. It must be the key that was stolen in the robbery, Doc. I must have done it. You hear me? I'm a jewel thief in my sleep. Oh, stop being so dramatic. You couldn't have robbed McDonald's house even in your sleep. You wouldn't do that. You're not the type. Hmm, thanks, Doc. I'm too honest, huh? No, you're too stupid. Oh. If you ever dialed the knob of the safe, you'd probably get Lum and Abner. Oh, that's not funny, you big lummock. I'm all upset. You have oh, to... if you're so upset about a silly little key, ask Molly about it. She'll recognize it. Probably for your roller skates, worry Ward. I tried it on my roller skates. It's not even that kind of a key. You know darn well I can't ask Molly about it. I don't want her to know I walked in my sleep in the first place. I'm afraid she'll worry. Look, if you stole Mrs. McDonald's jewels, where are they? I don't know, but let's face the evidence, Fatso. I lost a button off my overcoat that night, and the cops found an overcoat button at the scene of the crime. The burglar stole a key, and I find a strange key in my pocket the next morning. Now, Fatso, please... Oh, for the love of... Look, Raffles, go stand to your fingertips, will you? I've got patients waiting. Goodbye. Yeah, but... Hmm... Big help he is. I can't even convince him I committed the robbery, much less get him to help me out of it. Sure wish I knew for sure whether this key is an old one of ours or not. You see, I tried it on my briefcase, my old vaudeville trunk, my skates, my piggy bank. Try this desk again. Goes in the desk, all right, but it won't... Oh, my gosh, it's Molly. I wish I knew what... Oh, I might as well show her this key and tell her the whole story. Oh, hi, kiddo. Hello, dearie. Oh, what a jam of that beauty parlor. Do you like my hair? Does it look all right? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, it looks well. 
Sit down, Molly. Well, I'm glad you like it because Madam Bertha usually does my hair, but I couldn't get her today because she was working on Mrs. Spradley. <laughs> I wish you could have seen Mrs. Spradley. Thanks. I've seen Mrs. Spradley. <laughs> One look at that duck-shaped old Dominecker is plenty for me. Oh, McGee, you'd have died. Yeah. Madam Bertha talked her into getting one of those Italian boy haircuts. You know, the kind of short hairdo that looks wonderful on most anybody as long as they're young, Italian, and a boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sit down, Molly. Well, when Mrs. Spradley came out of that booth and we all took a good look at her, the rest of us girls just about split. <laughs> she looked just like a freshly shaken dust mop. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I had a movie magazine in my hand, so I just said, very becoming, and pretended I was having a coughing spell with a magazine over my face. <laughs> but Mabel Doof just let out a hoop and split her mud pack right half in two. They had to peel it off and re-mud Mabel from ear to ear. Molly, and... sit down, will you? Hmm? Listen, there's something I want to tell you about the other night. Oh? Look, you see this key? Oh, you found it, did you? Found what? Your tackle box key. Huh? Isn't that what you're showing me? I picked it up off the hall floor the other day and put it in your overcoat pocket. Mm -hmm. You want me to put it away for you before you lose it again? I... McGee, what's the matter with you? Mm, nothing. <laughs> I was just surprised to see that good old key to my good old tackle box. That's all my good old tackle box key, huh? <laughs> You've lost that key so many times, it's no wonder you didn't recognize it. What were you going to tell me about the other night? Yeah, no, no. Oh, 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 I had a bad dream. Yeah, I had a bad dream. But it's okay now. Look, i got to run over to Doc Gamble's and show him my tackle box. He's going to buy one, and I want to show him how the lock works on mine. Because a good key is mighty important, and this is a good old key. Good old... Back to West Vista in a minute. Have you ever left home, locked the door behind you, and had the uneasy feeling that you left a burning cigarette behind? Better go back and check next time, because every 20 seconds throughout the year, a fire breaks out in the United States through carelessness. These fires kill 11,000 persons each year, disfigure for life or severely burn thousands more, and destroy $7 million worth of property. Those figures are appalling, aren't they? So don't let yourself be one of those statistics. Protect your home from fire by following these simple safety precautions. Don't smoke in bed or throw away lighted cigarettes. Clean out closets, attics, basements, any place where old newspapers, magazines, and inflammable materials are liable to accumulate. Repair defective equipment and replace worn or frayed wiring. Use cleaning fluids that won't burn and be careful with matches. Keep them out of the reach of children. Fires in the home, your home, can and must be prevented. Remember, don't gamble with fire. The odds are against you. So I ran all the way over here to show you, Doc, the old man. Look, here's what we thought was the missing safe deposit key stolen in the robbery, right? You thought it was. I never said anything. And here is my tackle box. I placed Exhibit A, the key, in Exhibit B, the lock on my tackle box, and presto. It's open. <laughs> I turned the key the other way, and presto, it's locked. I rest my case. Now do me a favor and rest your jaw, too. I told you all along you couldn't have climbed in McDonald's window in your sleep and committed that robbery. I'm beginning to think you're right, Fatso. Now that we've solved the mysterious key, there's only one clue left that points to me. That overcoat button the cops found at the crime. Oh, there must be thousands of people with overcoat buttons missing. Why should you be the and one the that... same, i got to get this thing settled in my own mind for good, Doc. And I know how to do it, too. What are you going to do? Take a button off your coat, go down to the police station, open their safe, and compare buttons? Exactly. What? The brave boys in blue are always very accommodating to visiting newspaper men, Doctor. Oh. Hand me that phone. 
I'll call the burglary detail and set up an appointment to inspect the button. That's right, Buck. Uh, oh, officer, I'd like to see the lieutenant in charge of the burglary detail. I'm the chap who telephoned a bit ago. Oh, yes, sir. The gentleman from the press. Are we? London Daily Bugle, isn't it? All right, old chap. Quite. Uh, this way, sir. Sorry I didn't recognize you right away. You see, our American reporters wear their press cards in the front of their hats, and you had your hat on backwards. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Lieutenant, the gentleman from the London Bugle. Uh, go right in, sir. Oh, thank you. Scotland Yard is quite anxious that I get over here, Lieutenant. Oh, come right in, sir. Uh, that'll be all, Sergeant. Uh, Scotland Yard, did you say, Mr. McSpain? Uh, right ho, Governor. Right ho. My paper, the Daily Bugle, works rather closely with the Yard, really. Especially on jewel robberies and that sort of lot, Governor. Oh, uh, well, I'm not the Governor, uh, just a lieutenant. Uh, right ho. Uh, good show, old chap. Good show. Yes, but uh, getting back to Scotland Yard, they must have a fine organization. I've always been a great admirer of the London police. Oh, rather. Right, uh, got a good bunch of chaps, quite. I have to go pretty far to find a finer bunch of boobies, uh, bobbies. Oh, uh, I agree with you on that, sir. But uh, about this McDonald robbery of ours now, I suppose you've heard that the only clue we have to work on is a button from an overcoat. Exactly. I wonder if I can see that overcoat button, old chap. I'd like to report on it for my uh, paper. Oh, you certainly can, Mr. McSpeed. I got it right here. Good. Well, you're just in time, too. We're sending the button off to the Chicago Crime Lab tonight for analysis. Oh, boy, I just made it. I beg your pardon? Oh, oh, I say, uh, jolly good of you. Yes, quite. I got it wrapped in tissue here. Just open up the paper and there you are. Brown button. Looks like a... Uh... Uh, Lieutenant. Yes, Sergeant, what is it? That button there that uh, you want me to mail to the crime lab. Yeah? I can't find an envelope. Oh, for the love of... Excuse me a moment, McSpee. I'll be right back. Important matter just came up. Oh, right Oh, take your time. Come on, stupid. You couldn't find your head if I wasn't nailing it. Oh, boy, what a break. Just me and the button all alone. Let me see. They look about the same size. They're both brown. Oh, boy, they're different. This button the cops have got is a square button. My overcoat button is round. That's it. This ain't my button they found at the crime. I didn't do it. I'm innocent. Yahoo! Hey! What is it? Something wrong, McSpee? Uh, oh, 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 not at all, Lieutenant. Oh, no, I, uh, I just realized it's, it's uh, three o'clock. Uh, uh, tea time. Uh, uh, here's your button back. Uh, thanks a lot, sir. All that for you. Uh, well, to pit, old chap. I must be toppling off. Uh, tea time, you know. Uh, Tiddy-o. Sorry, Doc. Boy, am I happy to be a free man again. Oh, brother. Well, I told you you were innocent, you little dunce. Well, it was very simple once I got a look at their clue. The button that the jewel burglar dropped at McDonald's house was a brown overcoat button, all right, but it was square-shaped. Oh? This one here is mine, you see, and it's a round button. Like most people's overcoats have. Oh, no. What's the matter? This button. The one I came back with. It's square. What? In the excitement, I took the wrong dead ratted button. This one is there. Oh, you fathead. Oh. So they got yours now. Probably on its way to Chicago now to the crime lab to be analyzed. My button in a crime lab. With your big fat fingerprints all over it. Uh. Oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Bibby and Molly will be right back. 
If you're not already enjoying NBC's Monday Night of Music, you're missing some truly great radio entertainment. This Monday, you'll hear Gordon McRae and Lucille Norman co-starring in Babes in Toyland on the Railroad Hour, a delightful Victor Herbert operetta for those of us who never grow old, at least in our hearts. This Monday is the beginning of Holy Week, and the Voice of Firestone will usher in this sacred time with Easter hymns. Guest of the Voice of Firestone, Miss Eleanor Stieber, will sing, I Know That My Redeemer Liveth from the Messiah by Handel, and the Holy City by Adam. The chorus and orchestra will present Hosanna by Grenier and Agnum Dei by Bizet. Monday evening, the telephone hour will mark the beginning of its 15th year of broadcasting. Featured soloist will be soprano Eileen Farrell with the Bell Symphony Orchestra and Chorus under the direction of Donald Burries. Be sure to hear NBC's Monday Night of Music next week. <laughs> Here in the heart of the news with Jim Fleming tonight on the NBC Radio Network.